You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis in the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as the Bucks pick up their second win of the year. They defeat the Spurs 127-118 in what felt more like a Bucks offensive game than it did on New Year's Eve. Uh, they shoot the ball well from the field, shoot the ball well from three. Giannis is at the free throw line. There's six guys in double digits. The big three all over 20 points. There was some interesting stuff on defense, Frank, that I know you're probably going to get into. I saw you tweeting about that, and I, I think that that's noteworthy looking forward. But um, I, I think on the other side of the ball, it was nice to see uh, some of the guys bounce back from what I would, will say that Eric Bledsoe, by the way, I don't know if you caught the post game, Frank, but uh, Bledsoe sort of laughed after the game and said, well, you know, the other night, it's kind of, you know, New Year's Day. Everyone's had a bit of a New Year's Eve. And I don't know whether that was confirming that the whole team was hungover, but it, it made a lot of sense. But this one was was a much better performance. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, what was it, a 71-66 halftime score? Yeah. Um, so I'd say uh, both teams came out uh, shooting the ball at a, at, a, at a hot clip. I think, I think at one point the um, – Spurs were like eight out of 16. I think the Bucks are, or no, I think the Bucks were eight out of 16 and the Spurs were seven out of 14. Um, Bucks end up 17 out of 45. Spurs 11 out of 32 after a hot start, um, particularly by LaMarcus Aldridge. And um, even so, I mean, pretty big, uh, you know, obviously end of the day, some, some fairly substantive scoring numbers uh, from both these teams. Spurs really getting um, a, a lot of it at the free throw line, 31 out of 34. Um, but Bucks 24 out of 33 and shout out to Giannis. Um, you know, he yeah. hit three out of six and I think that was right when I bemoaned that, you know, I think it was, uh, Andre Drummond, <laughs> DeAndre Jordan, and who was the third guy who's not a good free throw shooter who's shooting better than him this year. I don't know. I have one other guy. Um, I, I pointed out, you know, it's not great. Like, you know, he's been sort of stuck at like 60% for a while. And from that point out, he hit his last 12 free throws to finish 15 out of 18. And that was really important in a game where uh, the Spurs obviously decided, you know, we're going to wall off the paint as well as we can. We're just going to foul you if you get near the basket. A strategy which makes perfect logical sense, um, you know, try to turn Giannis into a jump shooter. He hits two out of three threes to start the game. So that was sort of a probably a pretty good initial, (laughs) an initial counter to what the Spurs are trying to do. But um, just nine points in the first half, didn't take a shot in there. I mean, again, he got fouled three times, but, you know, didn't get a, an official field goal attempt on a two in the first half, which I don't know how often that's happened, if, if ever, in, in, you know, since he's become obviously the kind of guy that, that we know now. Um, but very quickly early on in the first half, he, or in the start of third quarter, he attacked Martin LaMarcus Aldridge for a layup, and um, he was, you know, pretty continuously attacking uh, throughout that second half, 19 
in the third quarter. Didn't need to play much in the fourth quarter. Um, added another four there as he finishes with 32 points. And a weird shooting shooting line, though. Seven out of 12 from the field. Three out of seven on threes. Four out of five on twos. Didn't have a dunk. Uh, 15 out of 18 from the line. Uh, just one assist. No turnovers. Eight rebounds. One steal. No block. So kind of a, a definitely a different type of Giannis stat line uh, for a number of reasons. But um, I thought he, you know, again, kind of did figured out a different way than maybe typical to, to beat the other team. And, you know, given how he's been shooting from the free throw line, you know, you would think, well, just foul him and make him earn free throws would be a strategy that um, teams would be maybe a little bit more direct at, if that makes sense. Like, I I mean, again, obviously he draws a lot of fouls, but I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen teams like really hacking him, like, you know, just basically conceding, trying to make him shoot free throws. Um, But tonight was probably the, the best example of, you know, a team just saying, you know, we're just not going to let you get anything around the basket and we don't care if we're going to pick up fouls in the process. So um, kudos to Giannis for bouncing back. And again, not even 29 minutes <laughs> played in this one as he continues to, you know, put up these 30 point scoring nights without even needing to play a whole lot of minutes. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, we, we spoke about Giannis the other night against Minnesota where he also had uh, 32 points but uh, I think typically, if you looked at this without looking at the point uh, total for Giannis here and you said, okay, well, he's hit three threes and he's hit 15 free throws, uh, you might think that, okay, he might have gone for 50 in this game because <laughs> those numbers uh, put together uh, would generally lead to a huge night for him. But the 12 field goal attempts, and yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, he, he lived at the free throw line, but the, the 32 points on 12 shots is obviously a pretty nice number for him. And it was interesting because uh, someone tweeted at both of us. I don't, I don't have that tweet here, um, but uh, in the first half, wondering whether Giannis was looking a little bit passive. And I, I didn't really agree with that. Yes, he wasn't hitting the twos. But remember, early in this game, he got uh, hit across the face. That was uh, Lonnie Walker on that one, which actually, uh, just before we started recording here, has been upgraded to a flagrant, which, I mean, you know, at this Great. point, uh, like, what, what, does, what does that matter, right? I mean, they, they yeah. spent... It's, it's just flagrant points, right? It's just, you know, yeah. if he gets more flagrants and he could suspend suspended, but certainly for the Bucs, right. it doesn't, doesn't do much good. Yeah, for the Bucs, it, it does nothing. And, and this was a play that they, <clears throat> they looked at for two minutes. And uh, I, I don't really understand, like, even if he was making a play for the ball, if you forcefully swing and hit someone across the face, I don't know. I mean, that seems about as, as blatant as there can be. Uh, they called it a common foul. So that happened early in the game. And there was another one. I can't remember what player it was. It might have been DeRozan that sort of uh, kind of like hooked Giannis as he was going to the basket. And it was sort of an awkward fall for him. That was in the second quarter, I believe. So, look, I, I didn't think that his aggressiveness was down. And I, I think certainly in the second half, as, as you pointed to, uh, he really took over. And uh, again, though, I, I do agree with you that we don't often see blatant fouls on Giannis like it feels like he's still earning everything he gets like it feels like he's he's having to force his way to the basket so the fact that he had 18 free throws in this one which was uh just shy of his season high of 20 that he had uh, way back in in early November uh it's nice to see him not only get to the line but make those uh free throws because you know as you, as you sort of mentioned I know this is something that uh it causes you a lot of stress and the other player you had Jordan uh, Whiteside, did you mention Whiteside and Drummond? Oh, no, I, did, I forgot Whiteside. Yeah, he was the other guy. Um, yeah, and uh, again, I, I, you know, you can say, well, um, you know, it's still regular season and hopefully it'll hit them when, when they count. But 
I mean, he didn't hit them when they counted last year, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, that's the concern is that this is kind of a hangover from uh, last playoffs. And he, I think he was at 64% uh, overall in the playoffs, but just 58% versus Toronto in a series that obviously, um, you know, came down to some, some bounces, especially in that third game. Uh, where Giannis, uh, Bledsoe, and, and Chris were all terrible. Uh, and, you know, if Giannis makes some more free throws, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, you can, you can kind of Monday morning quarterback uh, a bunch of stuff from that series, obviously. Um, but, but, yeah, the, the, this stuff matters. And, and, again, tonight, you know, it's just, it's just strange. It just seems like, um, like it's, you know, again, it's just some, some mental thing. And as games go on, it seems like he gets better at them, which is, I guess good, right? You know, hopefully pressure situations will be a better free throw shooter. He's he gets you know his, his free throw splits in games tend to get uh, gets better from first to second to third to fourth quarter. But um, but yeah, they, obviously, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that suddenly now like the tide has turned because we've you know hoped that this would happen a number of other occasions. So again, still a lot of a lot of the season left, but um, uh, certainly you know one of the few kind of like real concerns about the Bucks obviously has been Giannis's free throw shooting and um maybe we can talk about some other guys too because I mean I think you know 127 points um you look at the numbers tonight defensive rating of of 116 which obviously is very poor by Bucks standards they're normally you know around like 102 um so Spurs only shoot 41 percent overall uh only 44 percent on two-point shots in this game um but uh, they again did uh, did get 12 offensive rebounds, um, which isn't great, but a little bit better than what the Bucks normally give up. Uh, and then the big thing was all those free throws, 31 out of 34, so super efficient there, and only eight turnovers uh, for the Spurs as well. So again, you know, I mean, we you know, rightfully I think normally look at like, oh, did they make threes? Did they you know just hit shots? Did they get to the rim? Um, 40 to 26 was the paint advantage for the Bucks in this game. Less. You know, so the, the 26 is a really great number, one we're used to seeing. 40 is low for the Bucks, But, again, a lot of that's just because, you know, those paint, those free throws Giannis shot don't count as paint points, yeah. even though effectively they kind of are like that, obviously, on, on most of those. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, fouling DeMar DeRozan sort of did DeMar DeRozan stuff and probably got some calls that, if it's another guy, probably doesn't get. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, he hit 10 out of 11, 26 points on 14 shots. Um, and other than that, it was kind of a balanced effort. And I think, um, you know, maybe we finish out the Bucks, sort of like what, what the offensive storyline is. And then we can talk a little bit about the defense because even though the ultimate numbers were poor, I thought there was a lot of really good stuff to talk about from Giannis and, and Brooke for different reasons in this game defensively. Um, but I guess before we get there, uh, offensively, Chris Middleton, 20 points on 15 shots, five rebounds, three assists, very Chris Middleton-like game. Yeah. Um, he really – uh, gave them a great shot in the arm towards the end of that first half where they kind of, you know, they were trailing late in the first quarter, I think like by 12, something like that, after there was that barrage of threes. And then they get back into it with the bench. And then Chris with Giannis on the bench, um, I think he had something like 10 points in maybe, I don't know if they were all in a row, but he really got cooking late in that second quarter to give the Bucks a lead. Um, he played well overall offensively. Uh, and Eric Bledsoe, four out of six threes, 21 points, six assists. Um, you know, just 24 minutes. Uh, I thought that was a great thing to see. His three-point percentage number on the year is up to 36% overall, which obviously is encouraging given, uh, <laughs> you know, the role Eric plays and how he's often sort of the weakest link in terms of giving Giannis shooters around him. So 
I thought it was really encouraging to see him scoring. And then Robin Lopez, uh, the bench scoring fulcrum with seven out of 10 shooting in 19 minutes. Uh, and, you know, he's obviously been hitting hook shots all season long and spinning and, you know, pivoting and, and dumping those little righty hooks over guys all year. But um, it was pretty important tonight as well because he gave them a nice shot in the arm in, in both the the first half when they were losing and the bench came in as well as um, at the end of that third quarter, uh, Giannis gave them, you know, basically had like whatever it was, like 13 or 15 straight points. And then he went to the bench and, and Lopez came back and he had a couple of hook shots. And again, just Spurs didn't really have seen an answer for him, which, you know, typically isn't something that you expect to say. But shout out to Robin Lopez. He, uh, he's been playing better and offensively. Um, you know, again, lot, lots of kudos to go around, not surprising on a night when they score 127. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to look at Robin, actually, because I, I know to start the season, um, they really were focusing on trying to get him to do different things. And basically by that, uh, I mean, shoot threes. And he's never really had that green light before. And I felt earlier in the season that he was kind of pointless out on the floor offensively because he was just standing there and yeah I mean he could shoot an open corner three whenever he wanted to if they passed him the ball but at the same time the opposition didn't really care about that Robin wasn't really looking to do other things and I think we've seen now it's been a seven or eight game stretch here where I think he's scored in double digits like six times maybe five or six times uh and and the bulk of that scoring is coming on those hook shots and uh, it was funny I, when you mentioned last week that just to think about the Lopez brothers in general and, and how, uh, you know, Brooke, as you sort of pointed to, was always that guy in the post. Now, Robin is really with these second units uh, lineups and whether uh, Bud continues to stick with the full bench lineups or we can mix some some starters in there with, there with Robin and, and still use his rim protection and defense, I'm not sure. But it's another little wrinkle. And I think he just looks like a guy that is becoming more comfortable in the team and doing the things that that he is comfortable doing while still shooting threes. He got a three up last night, didn't hit that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's it, it's a definitive difference in this team anyway, to have that, that genuine backup five. Uh, Bud mentioned it last night about the fact that uh, the big thing is it, it limits – those Ursan Giannis minutes. And we spoke about this before. I don't mind when the, when the Bucks go small, if it's Giannis at the five and a bunch of different guys. Uh, I'm not sure about Giannis, Ursan together. I, I think sometimes that's where they can get caught up in, in different matchups. But you have Robin out there and, and you really don't lose a lot in that, in that paint defense. And uh, he's, he's become a pretty solid guy to, to bring off the bench because uh, he's playing uh, lower minutes than he has since his rookie year, I believe, down around 14 minutes per game. He's been well over 20 for the last seven or eight seasons. So it's, it's a new role for him. But he looks like, uh, as I said, a guy that's getting comfortable. And the interesting thing about Bledsoe for mine, if I can just jump to him quickly, uh, you said he's at 36% for the season. But the one thing, I, I, I mean, he is such a rhythm shooter. I mean, he can go nights where it doesn't look like he's going to make anything. And then he has those nights where you just feel like he's not going to miss. And when he hit that, uh, that uh, buzzer beating or to beat the shot clock, that step back and just chucked it up there. And he laughed about it after the game and said that it was, the, it was his Kawhi shot. But, I, I mean, that was, a, that was a crazy shot. And he, again, similar to Chris Middleton, since he's come back from injury, while they are slowly increasing that minute limit for him, he looks, he looks great. Yeah, the, that three he hit, that step back with the clock running, that was, you know, the, 
I, I hesitate to even call it a heat check because it was with the clock running down. So he yeah. had to put it up, yeah. right? So it wasn't like him hunting out a, a tough shot necessarily. But um, I, I just thought he did a really nice job of playing under control. I mean, you know, anytime you shoot eight out of 12 from the field, that means that, you know, you were probably picking your spots really well. Um, but I thought he was, he was, you know, looked very good. And I think, again, you, anytime there's an injury, obviously the first concern is what are you going to miss while that guy's out? And the second one is just, okay, well, when he's back, you know, yeah. you just hope that, that he hasn't lost something, that there isn't some lingering issue with him there. But um, certainly since he's come back, uh, you know, he looked really good against, uh, against the Bulls <clears throat> on the 30th with those 15 points in 16 minutes um, was part of the team hangover uh, that he's <laughs> basically admitted to almost uh, in the post game against the wolves on new year's day. Um, but then got right back to it. And I thought looked really good uh, against the Spurs uh, here on, uh, on the fourth. So, uh, so yeah, but I thought Bledsoe was, was again, very, very solid. And again, you just look at his splits this year, 49% overall, 36% from three, 81% from the free throw line. I mean, you know, again, we, you know, we talk about Giannis and his free throw issues last uh, spring. Um, Bledsoe, just more generally, obviously, just you know, you, you just never knew. You know, you never know exactly. Okay, he's turning thirty years old. Uh, is there going to be just uh, an overall degradation in the level of his play coming into this season, especially after the tough playoffs he had? And the answer has been no. I mean, you know, you look at his numbers this year. Um, his his points per minute uh, are are up. Uh, his highest since the 2017 season, 23 per 30. Per, sorry, I'm looking at the ESPN, which is per 40, but 23 per 40, seven rebounds per 40, uh, 8.4 assists per 40, which is a career high, 58% true shooting. Um, you know, again, just uh, he, he's played really well, and uh, you know, again, you just say, all right, well, hope, hopefully that that continues. Hopefully he stays healthy. Um, and and again, on especially this night where you were missing. Donny DiVincenzo just sort of had a rest night. Um, you know, Wes Matthews was bad. <laughs> Wes Matthews was back uh, from that quad injury that they've sort of been, uh, I think Bud described it as they've been aggressively managing his, his the injury, uh, <laughs> trying to be a bit conservative. And, uh, well, tonight, um, you know, showed he maybe wasn't ready to play these last few games because uh, he shoots one out of nine, 0 for 6 from three. Uh, in 26 minutes, um, I, I don't even I don't even want to call that a Tony Snell game because I want to I don't want to disrespect Tony Snell's shooting like that. Um, <laughs> so that that was obviously not uh, not an ideal performance from West, but um, you know obviously the guys we mentioned were, were around to kind of pick up the slack. And you know Kyle Korver deserves a mention as well. I think um, in good rhythm. Eight, yeah, 18 minutes, hit three out of three triples, six assists. You know um, <laughs> he he's really good at using. Uh, coming off a screen and then, you know, he knows that teams are going to overplay him to shoot coming off a screen. And he's so good at when that guy comes to try to prevent him from, you know, being able to turn and shoot um, of kind of throwing that dump off pass over the top to the roller. Uh, and, and again, obviously also just making kind of, you know, reasonable decisions with the ball in general. So again, you know, uh, whether, whether Kyle's, especially his defense translates, uh, in the playoffs, whether he can be hunted in a way that you know all the other Bucks wings cannot, um, that's that's obviously still out there. But yeah, I mean, especially in the regular season, for him to continue to shoot at a high level, obviously that's that's clearly a positive. And and Urson, not a monster night, but eleven points on seven shots, two out of five threes, including a four point play, a couple four point plays in this game. Middleton had one 
um, as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, just a very balanced attack uh, on a night when obviously it took a while for Giannis to, to find a rhythm. And funny thing with Robin, um, you know, looking at the on-off splits with him, um, you know, the Bucks are actually, so they're, they're plus six points per 100 with Robin uh, on the floor, which is, you know, well below their normal numbers, obviously. Um, but 113 offensive rating, 107 defensive rating. So they're actually, you know, relatively better offensively than defensively. They, you know, essentially, which probably isn't surprising. He's playing, obviously, you know, fewer minutes with uh, Giannis than Robin does. And obviously just, I mean, again, as, as much as Robin's, a, I think, fits in the scheme well defensively, is generally a good defensive player. I don't think he's having a season that, that Brooke is, obviously, no. as well. So <laughs> I think you just, you know, say, all right, well, if you're dropping off from, you know, a defensive player of the year level with Brooke, and on top of that, you know, you're having to play fewer minutes with another defensive player of the year caliber guy in Giannis, it kind of makes sense that, you know, this is sort of where you where you would generally be uh, defensively. But, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, to me, the, the fact that those second units have not been terrible offensively, I think is obviously very important. And, you know, again, we, we talk a lot about our concerns as far as the staggering or lack thereof with Giannis and Chris in particular. And now you can add Bledsoe into that mix. Um, you know, they use Bledsoe a bit um, at times when Chris and Giannis were off the floor tonight, which I think is, is gives them a different look, you know, just given how he can attack and create for other guys. Uh, but I think a couple, so a couple things on this one, one, you know, it's ironic. Last year after the playoffs, I thought, hey, they're going to have to probably figure out how to better use Brooke Lopez in different ways rather than just as a spot-up guy, um, you know, especially if they start to have issues scoring. Well, ironically, I mean, Robin and Brooke are very different offensive players, I would say. Um, but the irony is the, hey, use Brooke more in the post idea has basically just been, well, use Rolo in the post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you look at the Bucks, the synergy play type data on, on post-ups, um, you know, four Bucks players have basically used a, you know, enough, have basically had enough post possessions to, uh, you know, basically justify, you know, hitting the minimum threshold. Giannis, Chris, Robin, and Brooke. And Giannis is by far the worst in terms of points per play. He's at like 0.87 or something like that, which really isn't surprising. Like he's, he's never been like a one point per possession guy out of the post um, versus Robin, Brooke and Chris are all over one, which is, you know, for a post play, when we talked about that the other day about that's not generally an efficient shot. Um, if you can get one point per play out of the post, that's, that's really good, uh, especially because it's going to force doubles and, you know, bend the defense in a way that maybe you otherwise wouldn't. So, yeah, and it's kind of a, an interesting thing here. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying like in the NBA finals, like Robin Lopez post-ups are going to be some critical thing that you're going to want to use, <laughs> but it is a different thing that again, like requires a defense to play differently. And a defense is not, I don't think going to, you know, game plan to try to stop Robin Lopez in the post. Right. <laughs> so the, the fact that he can be reasonably reliable scoring down there is, is a nice little bonus to have, even if you never want that to be obviously kind of your, your primary offensive threat. Should we talk a little about defense? Yeah, we can we can move over to that, and uh, I think I think I know the direction you're going to want to head with this. So the interesting thing last night is, and, and I spoke a little bit about this with Justin before this game, was that I think one of the things that I'm really interested in is seeing this Bucks defense against teams that don't shoot the three. And the Spurs only got 26, or only averaged 26 three point attempts per game. 
Lamarcus Aldridge only averages 2.1 per game. And yet in the first six minutes of this one, he was four for five and was causing all sorts of problems. And it was interesting because it's not like he's a bad shooter. He just doesn't take them. And so that's why I thought it was interesting to see him come out so aggressive shooting from beyond the arc because this is something that he could do on a nightly basis and he's just reluctant to do so. So to me, it was interesting again to see another team. And we saw this with the Sixers that they came out firing from three, shooting well above their average, that a team that doesn't generally shoot the three understands what the Bucks in their normal scheme are going to give you. And, and Aldridge started off hot, and he's always been a beautiful shooter. So if he's going to be shooting open threes, he, he, he can do that to you. Yeah, and I mean, this was the, uh, you know, the Spurs giving you a, a taste of that. Like, I always think back to that first Celtics game mm-hmm. last year when it was like, oh, Brook Lopez is going to get played off the floor in a playoff series because Al Horford, you know, can hit open threes off a of pick and pop, right? Yep. And, um, I think we saw that certainly to start this game, Brooke was zone dropping. And um, interestingly as well, DeJounte Murray hurt, not or not hurt, but personal reasons, I guess he was out of this game. So he was not playing for the Spurs. Murray is not a three-point shooter. Murray is a guy that um, sounds like he will play against um, uh, the Bucks on Monday. Uh, and that's really interesting because he's the kind of guy that you can give the Chris Dunn treatment to. I mean, we saw that against the Bulls, like, the Bucks were just basically like playing him at the free throw line uh, and basically just daring him to shoot threes. And, you know, by doing that, we're able to kind of gum up the offense for everybody else. And, you know, I think with Murray, they'll probably try to do something similar, but with Derek White, Bryn Forbes um, and Patty Mills, you really can't do that. So um, that sort of forced the Bucks to kind of keep, keep it honest a bit as far as the pick and roll defense goes and credit to Aldridge. I mean, he just popped back out to the three point line and just, knocked him down and you know yeah. he's shooting 45 percent on threes this year yeah, so can shoot. you you kind of again like this is the whole like has pop you know has this his pop just completely lost his edge because you know he's just got all these guys who just don't want to shoot threes and it seems like he is totally fine with it which you know if 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 lamarcus played in milwaukee i think he'd probably take a lot of threes you know oh, man, and yeah. uh he he's had periods where he shot more threes but I, don't, I just don't think he likes shooting them but again i mean it's just strange because he's obviously you know, he can he can do it. Um, you know, there's no reason he can't, given how much touch he has going up to 18, 20 feet. So anyway, but yeah, Aldridge scores literally between the nine minute and five minute mark of the first quarter. Aldridge scores 12 points. Rest of the game, two points. <laughs> and so the obvious question is, well, what what changed? And I mean, it wasn't like immediately at that point. Um, it looked like there were, I couldn't tell if it was a, an intentional thing or not, but there was one play that looked might have, like it might have been a broken play, but Brooke actually ended up switching on a pick and roll, I think later in the first quarter um, that forced a miss. But again, I wasn't sure if that was what they were trying to do. But yeah. as the game went on, you could see they were clearly switching those pick and rolls. And the obvious counter is, well, I mean, Marcus Aldridge is very comfortable going into the post against a smaller player, but um, you know, credit the Bucks. They really kind of tamped down on that and took that away, um, really denying entry passes. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know when – I don't know if I noticed it in the second quarter, and I'm not sure if it might have been just the matchups of when guys were on the floor. But in the third quarter, I think Brooke defended Aldridge on the first possession, and there was a switch. I think it was Lonnie Walker had a jump shot on him. But then after that, um, Giannis just basically was the guy defending LaMarcus, and – Obviously, when Giannis switches onto uh, a guard or a wing, um, those guys tend to not attack 
uh, Giannis the way that they do Brooke Lopez uh, for pretty good reason. And, um, you know, again, Aldridge wasn't able to really get anything going in the post against smaller guys. They really didn't manage to attack that. And he missed, he missed one or two shots around the basket. There was like one sequence where he missed a couple of layups that Brooke came down and challenged one of them. Um, but other than that, I mean, Bucks really, really took him out of the basketball game for basically the last, you know, two plus quarters after a super hot start. And I think that's obviously important because at some point the Bucks obviously are going to run into big men that can shoot in the playoffs and, you know, being able to have different looks you can provide. Uh, in particular, I thought it was interesting because, you know, we usually say, well, okay, this is where you have to go small, but I thought it was important. I mean, Brooke Lopez, seven blocks tonight, had just some sensational sequences. Um, I think he got DeRozan like twice on one play in the second half. Um, he was great protecting the rim. I mean, that, this was, you know, there were a lot of moments for the Brooke Lopez all-defensive team slash defensive player of the highlight reel tonight. Uh, and the fact that they were able to put him on Trey Lyles, who is typically shoots more threes than LaMarcus Aldridge, but, um, you know, the Spurs don't try to run an offense through Trey, <laughs> Trey Lyles, obviously. And so, I don't know, it's like Pop just, I don't know if it just didn't occur to them to try to put Brooke into those pick and roll actions against Trey Lyles. Either way, um, you know, I think Bud really won the chess match, especially in that second half as, you know, Aldridge was really taken out of the game and they really were not able to, you know, get Lopez away from the rim where he obviously was really special once again. Yeah, that's that's probably the only thing that I took away from this that I was like, okay, I, I do think it's a positive that that they went to this move early in the game. I also will say that it would be better if, you know, I, and I don't think Bud is, we, we've seen him, with, that he's pretty stubborn with his defense and for good reason. I mean, they were ranked number one in the league last year. They ranked number one this year. So he's got good reason to trust what they do. But, uh, you know, against a good team, you'd probably prefer not to go down 12 points in the first quarter before, um, you know, you play what arguably could be your, your best defensive scheme. I mean, that's the crazy thing about this. We've always said that when you have a guy like Giannis and some of these uh, other guys, Chris Milton, these talented defensive players, and would that have the ability to switch? Like, uh, that's kind of your break glass in case of emergency scheme. It's, it's kind of funny to, to have that in your back pocket. But, uh, you know, that's the only thing I, I thought when I was looking at this. I was like, well, okay, against a team that actually does have guys that are willing to shoot and a coach that wants them to shoot, is Lopez still out on the floor? Like you can still take advantage of him. Like I thought it was, it was crazy that Aldridge started the game shooting so well, as you pointed to, and Lopez was still allowed to have seven blocks and just like stay in the paint. Like, I mean, I just don't, don't know, um, you know, why that, that was the case. It was kind of strange to me that, that they let him get away with that. And it's kind of wild when you look at Lopez's game altogether, that the Spurs had 34 free throw attempts and Lopez still had seven blocks and all of them, <laughs> we're obviously at the rim. A couple on the one possession on DeMar DeRozan, multiple blocks on dunk attempts. I mean, he, he is, you're right. I mean, if you wanted to look at this game, even the previous game where I think he had six blocks and two of them uh, were called for a foul that probably shouldn't have been. Uh, I mean, so he's had 13 blocks over the last two games. Uh, he was great last year, but he has gone to another level. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still interesting. I mean, if you do think, to a team like the Sixers, who, again, we know that they don't shoot threes well, but we saw enough to see that, uh, okay, well, if it's Al Horford, the guy that you want shooting the threes, fine, but but Embiid's also willing to shoot the threes. So I'm not sure how that this still plays out if you're against a team with two bigs that are willing willing to shoot. Um, but certainly I, I do think it was a positive to see that Bud is going to go to that when, when they need to. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I think, um, like, one of the shorthand things that um, 
we as fans do when like our team that we expect to be doing better is not doing better as we complain that the coach isn't making adjustments. Um, and, you know, I think Bud's history opens him up for that because I think yeah. certainly in the past that was a bigger issue. I think, you know, to be honest, at times in the in the Raptors series, I felt like they almost kind of like overcorrected at times. Um, you know, there were times they went to switching. They were, you know, I think overhelping on Kawhi when he was just shooting really well from mid-range, which, you know, kind of is like in a lot of ways like what the Bucks are kind of geared to allow, you know, <laughs> you know like, I mean, that, that, that's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, if you're going to lose to a guy hitting you, hitting shots um, from mid-range, like kind of just want to tip your cap. But I mean, that's what um, they wanted to do all season long. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so what the, that's what um, the yeah. So I mean, I think you know, seeing a game like this where they obviously go to switching to try to deal with, um, you know, a, a, a big man hitting, uh, hitting pick and pop threes. I think that's obviously something we saw last year as well. Um, you know, against Philly when, you know, in the second half. We saw them go for a bit to uh, to the zone defense that a number of teams have used against Philly to try to kind of take them out of out of their offense. I mean, ironically, you know, ironically, like the zone, you know, zone defense you think of as being the thing you use. I mean, you know, you can find holes in a zone defense, obviously. I mean, I think you normally think of the zone as being the try to take away guys so they can't like get to the basket. Um, but you know, an NBA team is generally going to find open shooters in his own defense typically. Uh, so it was a little weird in that game because, you know, the, the Sixers actually had no problems hitting three, <laughs> threes in that game. Yeah. And they ended up hitting some threes. Like I think Furkan Korkmaz hit a couple open threes, you know, uh, it was not long after the Bucks went to, to the zone that, that they were using. So I don't know. I mean, again, like all these things could, could be uh, important. Um, you know, we've obviously seen Bud go with a very different defense against, uh, James Harden and, and the Rockets. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be an interesting to watch sort of as the Bucks see, sort of see different types of opponents. You know, do they use, um, you know, some of these different variants more often than uh, the thing that, you know, the kind of base defense, which obviously has served them extremely well and, you know, their number one defense in the league. So again, I think, you know, if I'm going to say on Monday night, what am I expecting to see? I, I do not expect to see Giannis switching from the outset no. against, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge. I think, they're going to start doing what they always do. And if Aldridge hits, you know, a pick and pop three, then I think they'll obviously know that they can do different things. Um, but I also think that, uh, you know, when you think about, again, if Murray, presuming Murray is back in the starting five, um, I think, you know, Bledsoe is also probably going to try to go under every screen so that a pick and pop is also sort of just harder to, to pull off um, because, again, the screen doesn't really doesn't really register if you, if you go under it. So, uh Anyway, yeah, you don't see a lot of home and homes, obviously. So I think this is kind of a fun, a fun little wrinkle to see. Um, you know, especially obviously the the bud, uh, bud, yeah. you know, bud uh, pop kind of combination. The you know protege and uh, and the former head coach, you know, going against one another. Obviously, it's a little different wrinkle as well. But um, bud maybe not uh, at his best right now. Um, although the Spurs have been better after a really bad start. So it will be interesting to watch, you know, again, not that it simulates a playoff environment, but I think it's probably closer when you play two straight games against an opponent than, you know, when you're just kind of playing teams randomly every couple months. And obviously there are, there's film and things like that, but teams obviously don't change their game plan wildly from night to night. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it 
and it's funny because Bud did sort of point to that type of thing. He was like, well, you know, this is like the closest thing you get to a playoff series in the, in the regular season. And he's right. Um, but, but, you know, potentially it would be more interesting if it was a team uh, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, the Celtics or the, the Lakers or something like that, where you get to see some uh, potentially some, some legitimate, uh, I guess, changes to what you're, what you're trying to do. And uh, it will be funny to see because if Murray does play, I mean, the guy that I know, I know we spoke about DeRozan obviously getting to the free throw line a lot. But when you look at this team offensively, DeRozan refuses to shoot threes as well. So uh, with the backcourt of Murray and DeRozan, uh, you know, I mean, I think you're right. Uh, this is going to make uh, what the Bucks defense is trying to do a, a lot easier. And the Spurs now 14 and 20. Uh, remarkably, they're still tied <laughs> with the Blazers uh, for the eighth seed, which is just crazy to think about uh, the fact that um, they have struggled, uh, but uh, they're still going to be in the mix for the, for the playoffs. But, yeah, again, it's one of those weird things. The Bucks are going out on the road, and we've spoke about this. The fact that West Coast road trips are, are typically a, a scary thought that you you're just trying to scrap to get a 500 record in a four or five game uh, trip. Uh, this time, you, you tip it off with the Spurs, uh, and then and then the Warriors out there as well. I mean, uh, times have changed. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think you ever want to look past these these road games. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we saw tonight. Obviously, the Spurs when they put their mind to it, I mean, they do have some shooters, right? I mean, they do have some talent offensively. Uh, and again, I thought, I thought they were actually very good in terms of um, the discipline they showed walling off uh, the paint to Giannis. And, and again, ultimately they just, you know, they couldn't stop him without fouling, uh, which, you know, them and the rest of the league, obviously yeah. are kind of in a, in a similar boat in that regard, but um, it'll be curious to see, you know, whether that whether Giannis's shot chart looks similar or different in in game two, I think, you know, again, uh, both teams typically make adjustments. Players make adjustments. Um, you know, Giannis probably had to play a little bit differently tonight than he normally does. But I I would be sh- surprised probably if he again has a similar night where he doesn't take many twos and just gets fouled a lot. Like I don't know, it's just stuff usually just kind of goes back to to the way things are typically um but i think the aldrich thing is is particularly interesting to watch just because he had such an extreme game going from you know basically unstoppable for five minutes to completely mia for for the rest of the game so um so again these are kind of just these interesting things just watch out for a bit during the regular season and obviously um you know the bucks still have an eventual trip to to see the lakers uh, in la as well so um, you know, certainly nowadays seeing the, the Spurs on the road or Warriors, Kings, teams like that obviously are, are not uh, not exactly uh, up to that par. But um, again, when you're kind of maintaining a pace as significant as the Bucks are right now as far as, you know, wins and losses, um, you know, the, the bar is high. Like, you know, you expect to win every game home or road. Yeah, and we didn't actually... It'll be interesting to see with this one. So it's a 7.30 tip on Monday night. We didn't really mention the fact that Dante DiVincenzo didn't play at all, um, which was uh, the first time I think I saw this. This was the first time that... Uh, which going back to obviously before the Bledsoe injury is the first time Giannis Bledsoe and Chris have played together since December 13. Uh, they had the old or the original or what we believe is going to be the, the long-term starting lineup back together for the first time in a while with uh, DiVincenzo just getting some rest. So, uh, I mean, we, we spoke about it. He's played 33 games now, only played 27 in his rookie season. So uh, I'm sure, given the sort of impact he's had on the team, they're going to look to uh, get him 
you know, more time on the sidelines just to look after their body because we know uh, last year that he had some injuries and Bud did completely deny that there's any soreness, anything to do with the heel. So it doesn't seem like uh, there's really anything to worry about there. But uh, before I guess we wrap this up, unless you've got any other final points, Frank, we are going to try and get to a mailbag done this week. So uh, I did tweet that out on the Lockdown account at Lockdown Bucks, but um, continue to fire those questions through because uh, I see we've already got some good ones there. Yeah, international mail is expensive. So with you, when you were in Australia, <laughs> we just we couldn't do a mailbag. But um, now that you're stateside again, we can uh, we can take advantage of uh, of your proximity and uh, finally answer some questions, which I think has been been long overdue. Um, and by the way, interesting thing is just looking at Buck's numbers. Um, and again, I I'm always hesitant to read much into you know, especially first half of a season, any individual like five man lineup groups. Um, but it's interesting. I mean the 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 starting five without Bledsoe actually were had a negative often a negative rating, um, which is interesting because I mean they kept winning games for the yeah. most part during that stretch. Um, but they were actually their their offense they had a ninety seven offensive rating with Divincenzo, Matthews, Middleton, Giannis, and Lopez together, um, which I don't know. I mean I don't think they would I don't think they would continue to be that bad uh, as a group. But I think it it does sort of speak to and you got the you know you got the the, uh, the Sixers game in there, which probably skews that pretty significantly, but I mean, it's a game that happened, right? And we can't can't paper over that. Um, I think it does speak to the fact that yeah, it's good good having a point guard actually on the floor, and you know, Eric Bledsoe, pretty good point guard. Yeah, I mean, he changes. I mean, you've seen that he he is a guy that uh, can can create on offense. He he definitely changes the pace, and uh, I think that that's probably been the biggest thing. And um, a guy like uh, guys like Wes and Dante do more of their good work off the ball on offense. And and you know, without Bledsoe out there, it's a lot of the, uh, if not all of the playmaking falls on on Giannis and and Chris. And uh, yeah, that 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 can be a difficult thing over a stretch of time. Ninety seven is a little bit low. That does surprise me, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think that Bledsoe has all of a sudden become sort of underrated uh, because of, of all the, the, the things, I guess, people point to, to to sort of detract from what he actually brings to the table. But yeah, I mean, as we said, he's looked great since he's uh, come back and 16 minutes in the first game, then 20, 24 last night. So he's uh, building up to his, his normal mark there, which is good to see. But yeah, Bucks and Spurs. Uh, Monday night, so this is the start of a four-game road trip. As I mentioned, they've also got uh, Golden State, uh, Sacramento, and Portland on this trip. Again, all teams below 500, which we know the Bucks are yet to lose to one of those teams. So we'll see what happens there. But we'll be back after another Spurs game to wrap that one up. So for Frank Madden and then myself, Kane Pittman, we'll catch you guys after that one.